This is a HeadGum Podcast. Hey, you folks. Welcome to We'll See in Hell. This is your favorite podcast that talks about horror, horror, horror movies, sci-fi movies, and fantasy films. You know, we discuss them. We commentate on them. We review them. We do everything we can to have our way with them. These movies, we love them. And you love them. And that's why you're here, I think. I don't know. Uh, I'm Joe DeRosa to my front on his knees in front of front me. And, pe- front and down. His pet. Looking Tr- up at you. Lo- greedily. Uh, hello, everybody. It's Pat Walsh in the house. We're going to be talking today about uh, the Netflix instant picture. Actually, it's, it's just streaming there. Wasn't designed for the app. Super Dark Times. Uh, a movie that lives up to its name, and I'm excited to get to it. Joe and I have not shared our opinions. Uh, but what's going on, Joe? Well, I'm doing some laundry today. Oof. <laughs> All right. Which is why I'm dressed like this at the moment. Yeah. Joe's well, wearing a uh, an almost an umbro style short <laughs> and what appears to be a, an inside out t-shirt, but I think it's just that faded. No, uh, it's a bad religion t-shirt with a cross and a uh, Ghostbuster sign through it. Yeah, this is the bad. They sold the T-shirt like this to look. They printed it on the inside, pre-worn. Yeah, they printed it backwards, so yeah. it looked very worn, very punk rock, guys. Uh, I got to say, between the way I'm dressed and the way I'm sitting, if you were a female co-host, I'd feel the need to go put some more clothing on. Right? I now. agree. There's sort of a, <laughs> a, a an open leg to the short, a droopy. <laughs> Sort of feast your eyes kind of quality to the fabric. Uh, yes, uh, it does, there's a basic instinct kind of thing <laughs> yeah, happening exactly. right here. And I'm Newman, uh, right. sweating off to the side. <laughs> but that's fine. How uh, did they never, with all the times on Seinfeld that they spoofed? I know. Like a movie scene. How did they never spoof Newman in the basic instinct scene? That seems to me like a like I bet Larry David had a lot of little things he would not do, and that's probably like too much of a wink or something like that. You know what I mean? Sure, but I just can't think of anything better than like if they had like one of like the crazy, like if it was like Mrs. Costanza in the Sharon Stone seat, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Well, now Newman is in JFK, and of course he reenacts the yeah. Keith Hernandez bit, so he, clearly that was not uh, a set rule. Maybe they just couldn't know. figure out a funny way to, you know, they're like, how do you do a, a vagina yeah. flash without doing a vagina flash? You know, um, Heather, my girlfriend, is, is younger than I, not to brag. Um, it's required here in Los Angeles. Right. 16, is it? She's 14, thank <laughs> you. And... But you do have the parents' approval. Yes. All right. Uh, not yes. her parents, but my <laughs> my dad gave me a uh, high five. <laughs> uh, 
we were discussing basic instinct and sometimes i get i just get, you get an interesting perspective uh when you're when you're when your partner's a bit younger than you and she was she had missed basic instinct she was not familiar with it right. she would have been seven when it came out so obviously right. her dad's not taking her to the multiplex um whereas i was 12 13 and all i could think about was how badly i needed to see basic instinct even though i didn't really know why because what you're ultimately seeing Sharon Stone is was incredibly uh, beautiful at this time, but to just have a woman uncross her legs and fla- and a brief flash of vagina, it w- was it that titillating even at the time. Well, I was it or is it just the taboo or what is it? I have never seen Basic Instinct. Okay, I have. I know I've seen that scene once or twice because of all the the hoopla around it. Yeah. But I, this is something I can never remember. Do you actually see, like, vagina, or do you just see, like, the bush? I feel like you only just see, like, the bush, and everybody was like, whoa. It requires a very quick pause, and from what I recall, there is no bush. Oh, it's just a shaved... Right. And from what Sharon Stone says now, which, you know... All right, I'll, I'll, I I don't know who to believe in this case. I know Paul Verhoeven is a real uh, weirdo, but she claims she was not told it would be shown in the picture. I, I can't imagine that was the case. Right. That's, that sort of thing requires heavy signing and <laughs> agent involvement and everything else. Right. But um, I know it was really built up in my mind, and it it started uh, started in me a feeling of that. Like when I was a kid, like a woman with her legs spread wide in a mm. magazine, never got to me as much as a, a nice boob shot or a lady, you know, presenting her, looking over her shoulder at me, you know. Uh, I'll tell you that the, the, the too I, graphic. I kind of agree boy. with you. Uh, we we didn't like the Shape of Water, but and we also didn't like the sex scene between Michael Shannon and his wife because it was just weird. Yeah, but. I was more turned on when she, when his wife pulls that like heaving breast out yes. of her top, yes, uh, to to like flirt with him, than I was by the time I saw the Sharon Stone, as she ref- refers to it in interviews now, the clam jam scene. That's not true. I don't know why she calls it. That's that. not true. Don't, well, don't get mad at me. I didn't say it. She said it. I'm not getting mad at you. I, I'm doubting the veracity of your claim. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just never uh, called to me in terms of seeing it in a movie. Like I've never been like, oh, I hope she shows her vagina. I did like in Loaded Weapon One when they spoofed it, and when she uncrosses her legs, there's a uh, beaver smoking a cigarette in the seat. Right. Cut back to it. Kind of stolen from Naked Guns, classic beaver joke. I just had sure. it stuffed. And that's the loaded weapon is truly the height of Amand Arsantes. Oh wait, he that's not him. He's loaded in, weapon is Emilio. He's Estevez. in Fatal Instinct. Yeah, Whew. loaded weapon is Emilio Estevez and Sam Jackson. Well, it, but it's it's not Sam Jackson yet. No, it's not. But he's funny in it, if I recall. I saw that at the Dollar Show. Probably rented it twenty five times. Don't remember anything about it. I'm gonna watch it again soon. I remember it having some good jokes. All right, well, Shatner the villain. I never saw it. Oh, National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon. Yeah, Wing. when it came out, I remember being like, "This, this doesn't look." It was already like around Naked Gun thirty three and a third yes. time, and I was like, "These movies are not. They're just running their course. They're not as good anymore." If memory serves, it is about as good as thirty three and a third, and not as funny as the Hot Shots pictures. 
But I'm sure right. Sheen was talking to Estevez and was like, you got to get into this stuff, man. Or maybe it was like a Frazier Niles scenario where it was a competition. Right. Amongst well, brothers. Sheen won. And then for the next 25 years, Sheen lost. <laughs> <laughs> now he's truly lost, folks. Uh, uh, he's off the reservation. Speaking of Sheen uh, and Sheen types. Yeah. Feldman. Uh, who who has these Corey Feldman? Who Corey has Feldman, a, yeah. a crew of because Sheen used to call his uh, girls that lived with him like the angels or whatever. Correct. And then and everybody thought it was gross. And then Corey Feldman came out and said, "I have Corey's angels, yeah. which is my thing where I let extremely hot women live with me to get them into a better life." And for some <laughs> reason, people thought that was somehow good. Uh-huh. Uh, but I read that uh, apparently one of them now has uh, made some allegations about Sheen being in a, I mean about Feldman being inappropriate, and now, Feldman is now claiming that that's those are false, and this is part of a takedown for his <sighs> attack on Hollywood pedophilia. I can't. He's just such a sad case. I I, 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 look, be, I believe that the, I believe he was assaulted. I believe there's a pedophilia ring. Uh, Do you see Barbara Walters like a month ago? You see this clip? No. You want to talk about the fucking hypocrisy? I mean, Corey Feldman is insane and has been badly damaged. I didn't care for that she kept referring to it as Mawestation. I thought that was... Mawestation, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, she goes... Uh, so, uh, you're, you're making accusations uh, about that, that people in Hollywood are pedophiles. Why are you doing this? And he's like, well, it's true. He's like, it's it's an epidemic. It's the biggest problem I know of in Hollywood. Um Anytime it starts to bubble up, it's shut down, but it's true. It's sure, like, yeah. And she cuts him off, and she's like, how dare you? How dare you speak that way about the industry that raised you? These are good people. Are you serious? These are good people. This is two months ago. Walters it, is challenging. It's the kind of clip you're going to see in like five years once all this stuff comes out, and Barb Walters is going to be, you know, well, she'll be humiliated. dead by then. She'll be dead. I would think. But. She she shames him. She like hits him on the on the snout with a newspaper for saying he was molested on Jesus national Christ. television. She's like, you're lying. Hollywood's a beautiful town full of beautiful souls. I'm like, yeah, maybe if you're a multi-multi-millionaire. Well, that's her, that's Walter's, that's her classic. That yeah. was what she got shit for on The View because every time things would get like tense, she'd be like, okay, so, you know, and let's, let's bring out the guy going to make the cake. <laughs> yeah. Or whatever, you know, and they, they, I think they were always annoyed with her because she was always like kind of like dodging everything. That should be where a show like that lives is four people with different opinions chewing into oh, I an thought argument you meant for the for cake recipes. I, say, I wouldn't no. mind an all cake recipe show either. No, you spruce on a little cake, but the discussions should be the heart of those kind of shows. Yeah, the button every week should be the cake recipe, and uh, pre to that molestation <laughs> debates. Everything that gets said on the View is greeted with five to ten minutes of unbroken applause. On either side. On either side. Which is crazy. I one time saw uh, Dennis Miller on there debating out the war. Yeah. And and like being pro W. Bush. Right. And I guess it was Whoopi or Joy. Joy it was at least Joy Behar. I like Joy Behar and Whoopi. Saying the, yeah, saying the opposite, obviously. And the crowd was equally cheering for both. <laughs> Yeah. It's like it doesn't work like this. What yeah. is going on right now? Well, it's it's I I don't know if she came up with it, but I I first heard it from Tina Fey Clapter, and it's something that she's disgusted by. Yeah, where you say something 
with that intonation that forces an audience of unthinking sheep to clap. I guess and so, right? You you just go up at the end and kind of look smug at the end. Bill Maher uh, is the key practitioner of clapter, where I, uh, half his show is applause for him and then him smirking at it. My uh, favorite thing sick. I ever saw in real time, and I was not a George W. Bush fan, right? Uh, but Christopher Hitchens was on, and he said something pro W. Bush, and the audience in unison boos him. He turns, gives the audience the finger, <laughs> and goes, "Oh, you fucking sheep!" <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm no fan of him, but that sounds good. It was the only time I've ever seen somebody pull a move like that yeah. with that much. Uh, 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 blowback. I just thought it was really fun. I just like when anybody, everybody, somebody like, ah, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's that shows the ultimate. You want to talk about a guy who presents himself as a rebel? He packs his audience with people who treat him like God, says exactly what they want to hear, and then basks in them cheering. And then I, uh, once in a while, goes too far, and you know, everyone I, thinks uh, it's all edgy. I uh, I uh, I got a Dennis Miller style joke for Bill Maher. Go ahead. Uh, I went to church the other day and the choir wasn't there because they were in Bill Maher's fucking audience. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Maybe I can get a job writing for Dennis Miller. I don't know what he does, but, uh, you know. He's on strict right-wing radio. No, he doesn't have that show anymore. Oh, okay. He Did he lose have... it for saying something? No, he just stopped doing it. Okay. He sort of disappeared a bit since trump right and i have never heard a straight answer he was very much like anybody but hillary that was kind of his whole thing right but i've never heard him flat out say whether or not he likes trump since since he was not elected i mean so i wonder if he's kind of laying low because he's like well i buttered my bread with the sort of trump crowd but maybe he doesn't like them and yeah or maybe he does and he doesn't want to say i don't fucking know so i, I just he hasn't done much lately i can't go down that road just hearing the name, I can't. I can't go down that road this morning. It's too we don't much. need to go down any road. I'm just speculating on Dennis Miller. Let's let's lighten things up a bit and let me. Things ask are you, light, why, baby. Why things did you tell Aziz Ansari to do what he did? <laughs> <laughs> well, in all fairness, he didn't follow my instructions properly, <laughs> and that's all I'm going to say. I'm kidding, of course. I'm kidding. Uh, I'm not. You know, we're not making light of anything. We're just joking to cope. We're joking to cope, folks. We're coping. We're coping Which by joking. Which almost sounds like a combination of joking and coping. Somebody called back that joke, though, on the... Because we do that every week, almost. Uh, I made the joke on uh, Instagram that Saudi Arabia, the first movie they showed after the Twitter, after the cinema ban was the Emoji movie. Yes. And I made the joke. Credits rolled. They had re immediately reinstated the ban. Folks, <laughs> Right. you wrote, Saudi Arabia said this is the worst thing that's ever happened here. Yes. Folks. Uh, but then one of the listeners wrote, Joe, why did you tell T.J. Miller to do what he did? <laughs> Which at first I didn't realize was a nod to the show. Yes. And I was like, why would this guy write that? Gee, uh oh, wait. No, he's doing I the say joke. It pretty much everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And I haven't even covered a fourth no, we got that's going to be a running of that's the people a, being accused. This is going to go on forever. That's now. a runner. Yeah. Although I do wonder who's still sitting on their accusations now. Let's let's get them out there. Uh, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be a problem with that. So, you know, we'll, we'll you know, we'll play. Hey, just keep reading the news.
<laughs> See how it goes. You want to uh, dip into... I'm glad you lightened it up. Do you want to dip into Pat's movie corner? <laughs> I do. Because I have a few things I'd like to talk about. I am stressing out for the sheer amount that I have, and I'm going to do quick cuts. I'm going to do three and then over to you. Three quick cuts. All right, I have two. Okay, here we go. The Mountain Between Us. Don't know what it is. Don't know who <laughs> plays in it. By the title alone, I never want to see it. Well, it's Kate Winslet and uh, Idris Elba. And they crash uh, in a small plane, and uh, you know they have to kind of survive in the wild and maybe find love. I love like, wild survival movies. I, the Edge is one of my favorite movies ever. I thought The Edge was lacking a romance between Baldwin and Hopkins. I did want to see them get so desperate that they fucked prison style in the <laughs> yeah. woods. Like they just thought they were never going to get out. Uh, I love The Edge. I've I've known The Edge for years. Mountain Between Us. You are no the edge. Of course uh, not. It was just a lame, boring trudge. You know, you, you're they're in the wild. Anything can happen to them, and they just kind of sit around. And it's just boring. I, I don't know. It wasn't great. Logan Lucky, the new Steven Soderbergh picture, stacked cast: Channing Tatum, Kylo Ren, Daniel Craig. Uh, I had a blast with it. It's like Ocean's Eleven, but with Hicks and, and NASCAR. Okay. Tons. Yeah, I wanted to see that because Craig, lo- I, I've never seen Daniel Craig play a character like that. So it looked interesting. He's really funny in it. And the movie was very entertaining, very amusing. Soderbergh just makes a great movie. I don't know what to say. And the picture is stolen by my favorite, Mr. Dwight Yoakam, who plays a prison warden. Um, he has a scene where he's nego- the, the prisoners in the prison are negotiating to get out, mm-hmm. and he's going through their demands. And one of their demands is for the new Game of Thrones books in the library. <laughs> and he's telling them he's like, uh, "Now, I, I know you guys want fire and ice, uh, George R. R. Martin. I, I checked the Wikipedia page. He has not completed fire and ice." And then some one of the prisoners raises his hand. He's like, "But everything we're hearing is that." This, 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 this happened. And then uh, Yoakum's like, well, uh, apparently at this point, the television show has gone beyond the books. Uh, Martin is, I, I was dying laughing. There's a lot of weird, funny shit in it. That's I funny. loved it. It's a great right. picture. And then last one, I'd say Logan Lucky slipped onto my top 10 list for last year, matter of fact. Um, then Stronger with Jake Gyllenhaal. He's in the... Uh, Bombing, the uh, you know the the Boston bombing. Oh, oh, okay. I loses his was... legs. I mean, okay. These movies are just made to get people Oscars. It's not going to happen. Is Wahlberg in this too? No, that's the other one about there's the Boston no- bombing. Wait, there's two Boston bombing movies. This one is uh, David Gordon Green, Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, you know, it's like a woman like standing by her man when he loses his legs. <sighs> It's not. It's not worth your time, folks. People really love this movie too. I don't. I don't get it. Uh, I should have called it weaker. I always have very mixed emotions about like a tragedy movie. Yeah, like a recent tragedy movie. It's like when when uh, Oliver Stone did World Trade oh, Center. Yeah. There's something just a bit suspect about it. 
The only one of those that I thought was really great was United 93, which I will never watch again, but I was just blown away by how it felt like a documentary about Right. Not right. that I wanted to be on that plane, but I felt like I had been on that plane. Sure, sure. Uh, I saw two. I rewatched two classics because I got them on uh, Blu-ray. I got uh, Menace to Society, the director's cut. Great movie. On Blu-ray. Hold uh, up. Great. Yeah, it still holds up. Okay. Um, it, you know, it's funny. We did an episode, uh, one of the one of the bonus eps. I think it was the first bonus ep we did was scariest scenes, not in horror movies. I don't know how we missed Menace to Society. Uh, Lorenz Tate as O-Dog. One of the scariest fucking villains I've ever seen yeah. in a movie. He's out of his mind. And, the, and and in the bonus features, they talk about how originally in the script, O-Dog was supposed to be still like a 16-year-old kid, but very big for his age with like scars on his face and like, you know, a guy that looked like he had been through the ringer. Uh-huh. And they said they kept bringing in guys like that to read. It wasn't right. So the Hughes brothers called casting and they go, send us all the reject tapes. And they're like, the first reject tape we got was Lorenz Tate, who we didn't think would work because he had such a Disney look right. to him. And then we brought him in to read, and it was 10 times more terrifying. Yeah. Because he's like a baby-faced kid, but he's clearly a psychopath in the movie. Right. He's fucking awesome in it. Uh, Tyron, I can't remember his last name, the kid, the main character that plays Kane, he's, he's amazing in it. Great cameos by Samuel Jackson, Bill Duke. Charles S. Dutton, um, Jada Pinkett is great in it. She's not a cameo. She's the female lead, but she's great in it. Uh, it's awesome. It was just awesome rewatching it again. It's so gritty. They talked about in the special features how they got. They didn't get as they didn't they didn't get a tenth of the blowback they thought they were going to get. They thought they were going to get a ton of blowback. Mm-hmm. Um, but they said the one harsh criticism they got was from Oprah. Really? They told people don't see this movie, and they said they thought that was good because they were like, "We're not oh, going yeah, for the Oprah crowd press at that time." <clears throat> Roger Ebert gave it a four out of four. Yeah, uh, and they said they modeled it, which is funny. When I was watching it again, I was like, "This reminds me of Goodfellas." And then, sure enough, they said we modeled it after Goodfellas. Like we wanted to make a movie about criminals mm-hmm. that existed in the underbelly of the black community, just like right. Scorsese made it about uh, the underbelly of the Italian community. And it is very much like Goodfellas. It's not that there's, if you've never seen it, it's not that there's one hard plot like this happens and then they got to do this. It's just sort of a series of events uh, that occur in the lives of these characters and the evolution of these characters over a finite period of time. And you see how it goes. And it's, it's, it's great. You a uh, Dead Presidents fan? I love Dead Presidents. I, I want to go well. buy that now on Blu-ray. You're a From Hell fan? Never saw From Hell. From Hell's good, and after that, I, I'm looking now, but I don't know that they made many movies. They separate. They made Book of Eli, then they separated and started oh, right. doing different movies. Uh, yeah. But the one dude wrote, uh, he directed that new movie that's coming out that we keep, you and I have been to the theater a couple of times, that goddamn wolf movie that I kept oh, saying okay. I thought looked dumb. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Maybe it'll be good. Um, they're, they were great directors, I I don't know. Yeah. You think they were they were fighting or they just had a money issue? No, I think they probably I'm assuming for for monetary reasons or career reasons they needed to kind of split up for a bit. Right. And couldn't just keep doing projects together because it was probably too hard to sell them as a team, I guess. I, I don't know. I, I, I really saw don't know. One of their names on the uh 
the Dr. Dre, oh, the Defiant ones. Yeah, I guess they did some of those. But they're great. Um, yeah. I also got the 25th anniversary Blu-ray of Juice, another one of my favorite films. Sure. Uh, great Blu-ray, great transfer, all that stuff. Um, the movie still holds up. Uh, but I guess in rewatching it, I'll talk more about the bonus features. Again, this one has a documentary or a couple featurettes where they get into what the behind the scenes business was. And it's it's really great. It's really great. It's uh, Ernest uh, Dickin- Dickinson, I think his Ernest name Dickinson, is. Ernest Dickinson, yeah. The director, he who also directed Demon Knight. What a fucking phenomenal film. And Juice did have a scene. Spike Lee's cinematographer for many years. Did yeah. The right thing, et cetera. And Juice did have a scene in our scariest scenes, not in horror movies, which was the Tupac hallway scene at the high school. But uh, it was, uh, he said he wanted to do a, a, a film noir that took place in Harlem. And uh, that sort of reshaped the movie a bit for me because it does feel very much like a film noir. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just fucking great, man. It's just fucking great. There was, there was like bonus footage of Sam Jackson, once again, as the arcade guy. That right. didn't make it into the final cut. That was really funny. Uh, that's in one of the featurettes. Um, but the most interesting part was he said Ernest Dickinson said they had to change the ending. The original ending was Q trying holding Tupac Bishop's hand and trying to make sure he didn't fall. Mm-hmm. And then he goes, in the distance, you hear the police sirens getting closer and closer. And as they get closer, Bishop starts to let go. Q is desperately trying to save him. And Bishop goes, I'm not going to jail, man. And let's go and falls. Mm. And he was like, it was such a strong moment. It tied it back to the beginning where right. Bishop's father is traumatized because of prison. Right. And it showed all the strength in the character that he was going to decide his own faith. And he said the studio was like, we will not support this movie in the way you need us to uh, if Mm. you let the bad guy determine his own fate. He has to fall and scream as he falls. Right. So he said uh, Tupac came in to do the ADR scream and Tupac goes, this is bullshit. And he goes, yeah, I know it is bullshit. He goes, can I do a half-ass scream? And he goes, yes, so he goes, that's why the scream at the end of Juice sounds stupid and like half-assed. He goes, because I was hoping that one day I could reinstate the actual ending. Right. So they put it on the thing, but not you have to watch it separately. They show like the raw footage of it in one of the that's, features. That's never effective really at all. It, what do you mean? When they do that, when they, it's always like cool to see, but then you watch it and you're like, it always looks like shit. And well, you're not, not, you haven't watched the whole movie, so you're not into it. And yeah. But I, I'd love to see I'd love to see a director's cut of Juice. But I, I don't think yeah. if we didn't get it for the 25th anniversary, I don't know if we're getting it. Probably not. Anyway, uh, all right. Well, that's the movie corner. Uh, let me give you three more. Three more. Let me let me get this list crossed off. They talk about patty cakes. It's a movie I absolutely <laughs> refuse to watch. It's. Also one of my favorites of 2017. One of your favorites. Uh, It's Eight Mile with a very overweight young white girl. Yeah, it's so weird. They made yet another movie about rap music that centers on a white person. Uh, Fuck that movie. I'm not watching it. You know, if you want to make it into a controversial thing, you can. It's it's an extremely entertaining and fun movie. Um, It's not a movie about race in any way. No, I know it's not. It's just a... 
appropriating piece of art. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's rap. You know, that's what rap has become. It's an inspiring story, uh, and it's a better movie than 8 Mile, which was critically acclaimed, I, I felt, unduly. 8 Mile was okay, and, I, and I, I was willing to roll with it with 8 Mile because Eminem is actually an awesome rapper that did that and had street credibility, whereas, you know, you're going to make a movie about a kid that wants to be a rapper, and then you make it a white kid on top of it. It's like, make it a, make it a black kid. Why not? I don't, I don't get why it has to be a white girl. All right. I don't know. That's just my take on it. I'd tell you to watch it. You started the segment by saying you'll never watch it, so I don't know why I would, but it's uh, it's extremely entertaining. All right. Um, the raps are good. The music is good. I really liked it. I thought it was a funny movie uh, and very entertaining. Um, Spider-Man Homecoming. You see this thing? No desire, no interest. Not going to see it. Even with your love of all these superhero shit. I don't have love for all these superheroes. I don't like them any more than you do. I had I was Folks. holding out Folks, <clears throat> what what are you talking about? I was holding out hope for DC because I love Batman and I love DC. Right. I have been increasingly more and more disappointed, despite my love for Batman and Superman. Right. Uh you know my take on Marvel. I hate it. I can't stand all the jokes. I can't stand the comedy. I didn't need to see a third Spider-Man reboot in 10 years. And Couldn't agree more. You know, if it was... The, look, if it's the best one, then great. But I'm Spider-Manned out. I don't give a shit. You know, I fell for it as I often always do. This... I started seeing it on all these top 10 lists. This is the superhero movie. This is the great one. This is the one you got to see. But there's a twist in this thing. I, the, the, they were talking about the twists, like you, you, you know, like it was uh, Sixth Sense. It's a boring movie, like all the others, right? The kid and the, you know, the kind of puberty angle is is done a little better because they're younger. Tobey Maguire sure. always felt older to me. Sure. Um, and there's kind of a fun twist. You also have Michael Keaton as the villain. Uh, at least he brings a little life to the proceedings. I heard he was good in it. But you're talking about a movie that that's. If it wasn't two and a half hours, it felt it. You know, I'm sick of this shit. I'm sick of it. I'm going to go ahead and say this. I believe... Now, this is just a prediction. I can't see the future, Pat, despite what you right. think. Uh, my prediction, though, is that the the Star Wars Episode Nine, right, which will be the final installment in the Skywalker series of films... right. I predict that that will potentially be the last Hollywood film I ever go see in a movie theater. I'm going to predict that right Which now. Which one? Star Wars Episode Nine. Why do you say that? You think it's going to be that bad? No, because I think at that point I will have completed a, a, a cinematic journey I've been on since childhood. Okay. And I want to complete it, and I'll enjoy it because it's Star Wars. Right. But I think after that, even the thing I love so much, like Star Wars, is going to go completely off the rails. I'm done with the damn superhero movies. I just couldn't care less anymore. And even the even the sort of indie fare that Hollywood is putting out there right now, yeah, I don't like that stuff either. So it's like, at this point, unless it's A24, or I'm sure there is a handful of other companies I'm not recalling right now, I don't like the movies anymore. I just yeah. don't like I, 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 everything I see. I'm underwhelmed. I'm bored. I'm seeing better horror on Netflix, 
on Shutter and all these other streaming services that are that are making the stuff either originally for their own content right. or licensing things that were made for for little to no money. And it's better. There's so much good content out there being made by people that really give a shit. Uh, and I'm just kind of tired of it all. I'm tired of it. When I saw, like... I- I'm sorry. I'm not trying to rag on Blumhouse because I like a lot of what they've done. But even when Blumhouse is putting out these movies where you're like, give me a fucking break, man. I, I just feel all hope is lost. Well, Blumhouse, I don't think, is the gold standard of quality you're holding it to. They've always made a mix of shit and, and good movies. I mean, Get Out is not their brand. That would be the exception to the rule, I would say. I would just think a company smart enough to put out... I mean, Get Out's a no-brainer, right? right. It's a no-brainer. It's, it's a, you do horror. This is an excellent horror movie. Jordan Peele. What are, what are, we, what are we thinking? Let's put it out. Yeah. But a company smart enough to have put out uh, uh, Whiplash. To, Blumhouse did Whiplash? Blumhouse did Whiplash. Okay. And it's like, that, that's insightful, man. That's like, this is a movie on paper that nobody wants to see. Mm-hmm. What's it about? A kid learning how to play drums? Right. And his uh, teacher calls him slurs throughout the uh, various kinds of the film. Right. Nobody wants to see this on paper. Then you see it. Somebody told me what it was about. I was like, it sounds like the most boring fucking movie. And they're like, no, trust me. I watched it reluctantly. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's great This movie. is a fucking tour de force. How do you put that out and then go, uh, we're going to put up the you know truth or dare? We, we, we think I mean, I ins- think you're giving too much credit to the studio. The stu- I guess studios so. have very little creative say in anything. I think a studio, well, I don't think that's true at all. I think studios like to give lots of notes and like to get involved. Yeah, and it's I like, mean, as far as like, hey, we've got the fix, that, you know, that's never going to be the studio. They, they didn't shape that script, I doubt. They might have had a couple notes, and it's cool that they put the movie out. It's cool. I, I'm just, no, I don't think the studio got behind, I'm not saying they, they shaped uh, Whiplash. Right. I'm just saying, I think the studio knows better that when you see your fan scores coming back lower and lower and you keep producing the same thing over and over, it's like, come on, you don't, they don't realize, of course they realize that. Right. At some point it becomes about, they'll just see it anyway and we'll get the money. Who cares? That's definitely the mindset that gets you an insidious, the last key. And it's a bummer because horror is one of two genres right now, keeping the fucking movie theaters open. Right. Give people something good, man. There's no reason not to. There's no reason not to. So anyway, that's my prediction. Episode nine, possibly the last time I said foot in a movie theater. I don't know. That won't happen. Well, it could. I am done because we should get to the picture at hand. Um, Wait, I got to see if I have a scary stuff. Okay. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I don't have one Woo. this week. I haven't been spending a lot of money. You know what? I do have one. My friend Jamie gave me this for Christmas. It's a very cool little thing. The Hellraiser Omnibus. Uh, you get it at your local comic book store. It's a collection of the Clive Barker issues of the Hellraiser comic book that came out, I think, about two years ago. Uh, it's a direct sequel to Hellraiser 2. Um, it ignores the other sequels. Um, it takes place in real time in, in in the timeline sense, meaning 20 years after Hellraiser 2 or whatever it's been, it picks up in present day. 
Uh, Kirsty uh, from the first two films is the main character. Pinhead is a big character in it. Uh, it's great. It's a great, great, fun story. Uh, I've read it twice, and uh, I, I really love it. So uh, go check that out. It's a fun, fun horror comic, Hellraiser Omnibus, and it is far better than the atrocious Scarlet Letters, which was supposed to be Clive Burke Barker's ultimate conclusion to the Hellraiser franchise, and it's one of the worst things I've ever read. You uh, seen the trailer for the new Hellraiser? That's out, right? No, the next sequel's coming out. I will see that. I think I that trailer's online. I've seen the trailer. It's The movie's not out yet. I said you've seen the trailer for that new Hellraiser. Oh, I thought you said the movie. I thought you were seeing the movie's out. You don't listen to me. Why, why would I? Uh, anyway, let's get to the show, uh, the review. Let's get to it. Super Dark Times. I have a feeling, because you've been saying nothing, that you're not going to agree with me. I found this to be a very exciting horror thriller offering, and I'm very excited to see what the gentleman who made this movie does next. I loved, I loved it. it. I loved it. I thought it was great. Oh, great. All right. I thought it was great. Little disappointed only by... Are we going to do... We're probably going to do spoilers, correct? Yeah, we are going to do spoilers. This is a movie where it is important, I think. Uh, it's on Netflix. Go Hit pause and go watch it if you want to participate in the discussion. If you don't think you're going to watch it, keep listening, but we're going to spoil it. Uh, Super Dark Times is a story about a group of teenage friends uh, who uh, they're, they're, an accident happens, meaning one of them accidentally kills one of the other ones, and then it sort of unfolds from there with his older brother's sword. Like, yeah. I thought like that first half hour, I read one review of it that I, I sort of agreed with until I loved the last half hour so much, but this reviewer was like, it so perfectly captures like being a 14 year old boy, like hanging out with your friends that he was disappointed when the thriller elements started. Uh-huh. Sometimes I feel that way about, about things that's so hard to get right. Like kids, like they cuss way too much, you know? Yeah, like it, they're showing off for each other. Uh, there's the one who's like annoying to the point where he, the fat kid, where he's annoying almost to the point where he's like a psychopath. Like every young group of friends has that friend. He was and then great. He turns out not to be the psychopath. Yeah, um, he was great. I loved. Uh, I loved. I, I I googled all the kids after because yeah. I was like, I got to see too. what else these Me guys too. are in. I was very happy to see that. Um, and you were you had added the word nudes, but you googled the kids. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, nudes Safe search off. To, yeah, to be fair, nudes is always in the bar, <laughs> and that was an accident. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, no, but the um, I was very happy to see, and I didn't even realize it when I was watching it. The kid that plays the psychopath always also plays Scarecrow on Gotham, oh. and Scarecrow this this new rendition of Scarecrow on Gotham is I love it. It's a great rendition. Now, speaking of which, Gotham. That's the way they should be doing superhero shit. Dark, gritty, fun, but but that's another argument. Um, but anyway, he's he's great on that show, so I was excited to see that. Um, but yeah, he kills one of the kids. Uh, the, he kills the fat kid with a sword by accident, and then it kind of unfolds from there where you start to realize maybe this wasn't an accident. Yeah. Maybe this kid's just got some problems. There's a lot of hinting that that brother he keeps referring to might be dead 
and he's not talking about it mm-hmm. um, because he seems to be very ambiguous about when they're like, "Where? when does your brother come home from the war? It takes place during the first Gulf War. Right. Which I thought was great. Um, he just left weeds sitting out and... Yeah, none of it kind of makes sense. And then you you finally see their mom, and the mom's kind of a weird, yeah, like lady that's like not attentive to the kids. And right. I thought it was awesome. I thought they nailed fourteen year olds. It, uh, like not since Super Bad have I seen has I have I seen a movie that nails fourteen year olds so well. Yeah, sixteen year olds just as accurately, but with a, a darker twist to it. Like, like inappropriate jokes. The thing where they're looking through the yearbook and right. he's like, what the fuck happened to that kid? And the other kid's like, dude, you can't say that. He was a burn victim. And he's like, well, his burns made him look weird. You yeah. know, like just kids being shitty. Yeah. Uh, and like, you know, like like South Park, every other word is fuck to, where, to the point where it's almost annoying and like exhausting. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking back to hanging out with my friends like we tended to be more in the nerf camp. But I had a lot of friends who would do shit like that, like, hey, check out this knife yeah. that I got from my, a lot of friends in Missouri. And then, you know, people have guns all the time in Missouri. The fact that there aren't way more deaths like the ones in this movie with the, the kid, you know, actually falling on the sword uh, was crazy to me. It made me think back to all the different dangerous shit I used to do when I was that age. We used to seesaw on this uh, tetanus infected rusty grain silo. <laughs> Right. Like it was gigantic and it would go up 30 feet in the air, but it was a seesaw. So you'd have to have three kids hang on to one side and like yank it down. I remember once my friend was sitting on it seesaw style and we were like, you don't have enough support, whatever. And he goes all the way up 30 feet, flipped him right off the back and he came down and just landed straight in his chest. We all thought he was dead, just knocked the wind out of him, but it was horrifying. Jesus. And then we would just pick ourselves up and. Go on to the next thing. There was this farmer that used to shoot at us. It's a, it's a dangerous. I don't know if that goes on anymore. Parents are probably too uh, watchful yeah, getting, of this shit. Getting throwing stars and throwing Chinese throwing. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, it's. Uh, I remember uh, the ki- uh, the bad kid in our neighborhood tying scissors to a string and swinging them around his head. Okay. At you. Yeah. Uh, kids doing terrible things to cats, stray cats. That's serial killer behavior. Yeah, with like this- firecrackers and okay. shit. Robbie, who uh, eventually killed himself, used to drown cats in my neighborhood all the time. He also uh, once sat on my chest and forced several worms down my throat, <laughs> looked me in the eye, and held my mouth shut as I swallowed worm after worm. Yeah, uh, you remember it as worms. It was probably <laughs> something else. No, I remember it very vividly. Um, but this movie depicts all of that very well, and then. It becomes a thriller because it shows how that can go horribly, horribly wrong. Also, the sex on the mind when yeah. they're going through the yearbook and he's like, I would have sex with her at the talent show in front of it's yes. the kind of shit you say when you're young, like you're so horny all the time. <laughs> yeah. And and honestly, you know, this is something that I've I, I you know, it's dangerous to talk about in this day and age, but you also get really angry and that can that can go into a bad way with kids as it does with a kid in this movie. Where you like, there's a girl you see every day who's so hot and it makes you angry because you know she'll never talk to you. Most people, when that happens, bury that away. Wait till a time when they're older and have more to offer a young lady. But some start to get in this mindset of she really owes me something. And I was worried that it was going to go to a sexual assault place with that girl when I saw her tied up in his room. Yeah. I 
assume it didn't. We didn't. We weren't shown any of that. So I don't think it did. I think it was good. a kid feeling. I don't think he was angry about I can't have this girl as my girlfriend. I think he was angry at feeling rejected in every way. Yeah, but there was and that was some another of that form of he was rejection. Really at, at his friend, she liked his friend, and that kind of drove him insane. And... Yeah, I think it was rejection from all levels. It was yeah. feeling rejected by his best friend for dating the hot girl, feeling rejected by the hot girl because she didn't wasn't interested in him, feeling rejected by the bullies that were beating him up, yeah. feeling rejected by his own family because his mom doesn't clearly doesn't give enough of a shit about him. Yeah, uh, and he fucking snaps. I, I, I'm assuming for the first time. I'm assuming he didn't have a history of doing shit like this. Right. But uh, it, it was just a cool flick. My only disappointment was that it is sort of just a new take on like Mean Creek or Bully or one of those movies where shit, we killed a kid who was being a dick. Yeah. We don't think we mean to kill him. What do we do now? Hide the body and don't say shit. I I wanted I was hoping there was another layer to it than that, uh, which I thought I guess there was because I thought there totally was, and that's the last you know twenty minutes of the movie. Yeah, that's a good point that's because good point. Uh, I, I me, me and Creek to me I thought was effective. I thought this was better, uh, and Bully I think is a masterpiece, frankly. But uh, this when when the kid finally turns. And you see that not only is he tying this girl, maybe going to kill her, but then he's just like willing to kill his best friend and stab. Like when he first stabs his best friend, that kid was awesome too, the lead kid. Um, yeah, there everybody. Was it great. gave me a feeling you should have more often in horror that I haven't had in five, ten years, where you just feel like sick to your stomach. Mm-hmm. Like when he's when I realized that this kid was just like going to kill anybody in his path. Um, it really bothered me. It really like it felt very oddly real to me and. You know, the neighbor running over and almost like he was breaking up two kids roughhousing or whatever. Like everything felt like it would really happen. Yeah, it was Um, it was great. It was very, very well executed. Now, at the end, do the two the one girl lives, but does the friend live? I got. Oh, and she had the marking on her neck. I the friend wasn't dead when he went to the room, right? I couldn't tell. Yeah, because and and also he didn't know either because he kept saying, are they all right? Are they all right? Right. Uh but yeah, I, also, I guess they, she might be dead. It's also interesting that they don't show you what happened with the lead kid. Right. Because there well, is yeah. a chance that he just said, we did this terrible thing and covered it up. Yeah. Whereas, I know what I would have fucking said. He killed our friend, I think. Oh, yeah. You know, I would have rolled over real fast. But he, uh, it, when, you, when you're that, you can just be like, he threatened to kill me if I told anybody or whatever. Like, just make get him in jail by any means necessary. But um, because it is true that lead kid didn't do anything except try to help his buddy out when his buddy was in a jam because his buddy fucked up. Right. Um, but. But what do you what did you make of the opening scene? I thought that was going to have more significance. And I guess in a metaphoric way it does. But with the deer that like ran through the window into the school and the cops had to like stomp it to death. That, well, that. When it started, I was like, "Well, this is the this is the whole movie." That's, that's what I thought. That's the importance it gives it. It also reminded me of um, Donnie Darko. That's what I thought. Which I'm glad it didn't go there. I was like, "If this yeah. whole fucking thing comes back that the lead kid got killed by a deer, right?" And and it's all in his head or whatever. I'm like, right. "Fuck that!" But I'm glad they didn't do that. 
In my, I thought the movie was felt so accurate, and I would imagine that the screenwriters grew up in upstate New York around that time because it all felt so real to me. That feels like something that, in discussing the script, remember that time a deer got into our school? Wasn't that crazy? We watched this guy kick him to death. That had just gotten to the movie to kind of set up the dark tone of like sometimes you got to put sure. things down, whatever you know. Uh, oh yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, but, no, it's yeah, it was definitely a tone setter. It, Alexa just went off. I don't even know what. What did she just say? Can't believe a, a guy as as paranoid as you has an Alexa in his home. Oh, speaking of Alexa, did you see? Uh, I meant to mention this in the movie corner. I watched Cat Williams' new stand-up special. I can't wait. I love Cat Williams. I have not seen it. It's called Great America. Okay, it's, it's so fucking funny, man. I'm checking it it's out. It's so fucking funny. All it's right. It's really good. It's really, really good. Uh, but anyway, he talked about Alexa and Siri. Oh, okay. He's like, I feel like I'm having a threesome. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I, uh, but yeah, uh, it's a great flick. Go check it out. I mean, I think everybody at this point has Netflix. Yeah. No need to miss this one. I am excited as well to see what this director does next. I want to see what these kids do next. Because aside from the kid that plays the crazy one, None of the other kids are they're, they're like barely in anything at all. Like, <clears throat> well, it was really uh, inspiring in a way that independent movies used to be. Where I, you know, I watched it. I was like, this probably cost a quarter of a million dollars. You know, why aren't I doing this? You know, it yeah. was like, uh, why aren't I getting some investors and making a movie? It felt uh, like a labor of love. It was really well acted, really well shot. I can't recommend it enough. A lot of people on the Facebook page had seen it already and were saying they all hated the the, sh- the twist at the end, the tonal shift. They weren't buying it. I bought it completely. I had no issues with it What, at all. that the main kid's a serial killer? Yeah. They were like, I think they should have set that up a little better or something. I'm like, well, then you don't get the twist aspect of it. No, I, I, I thought they set it up very well. From I the, did too. From the jump, as soon as that kid, in the opening scene, as soon as that kid says... I'd fuck her in front of the entire school at the talent show. Yeah. And then his buddy, that's the line that his buddy draws where he goes, dude, whoa, that's gross, man. Yeah. What the fuck? That's immediately when I was like, something terrible is going to happen. And right. this kid is going to be the crazy kid. And I bet, although this was a movie that didn't really pull any punches, there were like weird kind of sex fantasy type scenes with amongst 14 year olds. Well, I think in real life, these kids are probably 19, 20 years right. old. Well, maybe. I just thought that line in real life should have been much more graphic. I mean, my uh, I have friends now who are fully functional adults, but they would say things when I was a kid where I was just like, wow, I might have been a prude. I don't know. But uh, well, there is always that moment with, with your friend when you're that age where like the, the one problem child kind of steps forward and you're like, this kid might have a problem. You realize that about your friends and it's a scary time. Yeah, well, look, maybe it was more graphic, and they were like, can you reel this in a little bit? Sure, I get that. <laughs> uh, I just, I, I thought it was very, very accurate. It took much more care uh, with these kids than one of these movies generally would. Great oh, script. Now, and and you want to talk about, you want to talk about a way to actually depict kids in a struggle yeah. versus the fucking dog shit job they did with the new It movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, you just compare these two things. It's this is what I'm talking That's, about with these yeah. with these Hollywood releases. It's like it's discre- It's not disgrace. I'm being too harsh, but it's it's embarrassing. It's like this is what real characters look like. Yeah, I agree. 
This is what troubled teenagers look like. Show that. I think you could have gotten, you could have done just as big a box office with a little more. You can't go full Super Dark Times with a huge release like it, but just half that. Have the guys who wrote this movie do a pass on the kids in your movie. Do a pass on those characters and make them better. Yeah, you don't have to go. You don't have to go Super Dark Times. You just have to go as far as I don't know a TV fucking miniseries. That's right. Goes with it. That's right. Ugh. Anyway, uh, yes. See, see, and I'd like to take a quick moment to talk about how maybe it's a whole other episode. It's a big it's something I think about all the time. When I was a kid, a big part of my life, and I know this is pathetic, but it kept me going and kept me excited was looking for movies. And I had this book, 100 Greatest Movies in Every Category. I would go from video store to video store, like seeking out this lost movie. Or, you know, you didn't have Amazon, whatever. You'd look around for where can I buy this movie? Where can I see this movie? And it was exciting and fun. And when you watched it, it felt like an event. The downside of Netflix is you have every movie in the world one second away. It takes all of that fun away. Yes. It makes every movie feel exactly like watching any other movie. There's yes. no excitement to it. Yes. And that sucks. However, <clears throat> I don't know that I would have ever seen or heard of Super Dark Times. Yes. And I love that Netflix opens up your average folk to a lot more interesting and adventurous indie type fare. I, I think that is a very good thing about it. I agree. And in fact... We were going to do something different, but I think that actually would be a great topic for the bonus episode this month. Our top three or five event movies of our lifetime. That would be great. So that'll be the bonus episode. It'll be out before the end of the month. Uh, I'm Joe DeRosa Comedy on Twitter and on Instagram. Penthouse column, You Let Me Down, is available every month if you subscribe to Penthouse. Also, I will be in Vegas performing with Bobby Slayton uh, February 2nd and Third, I think it is. Uh, whatever that Friday, Saturday is. It's either the first and second or second and third. Uh, I'm also headlining Gotham Comedy Club the weekend, I believe, of the 15th in New York City. And the following week, uh, I will be on the Patrice O'Neill Benefit uh, in New York. Those are all going to be a lot of fun. So uh, I hope to see you guys. I am at Twitter, Instagram, at the Patrick Walsh. Uh, you can hear me this week on the Good Christian Fun podcast, which released uh, this morning, where I am anyway. It's Wednesday. And Living Biblically premieres September 26th on CBS. Thank you very much. We will see you next time. Uh, we are still planning on doing Black Mirror. Everybody keeps asking about that, by the way. We'll oh, do sorry. It. All right, we'll do it. No, it's all right. We'll do it. And, and also, merch is coming, so keep your eyes out. Merch is very very much really coming this time and could even be out as early as next month. Um, thank you all for your support, your love, your Patreon love, your comments, your feedback. Have a great week. That was a HeadGum Podcast.